0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where you'll always find a weekly wine special. And now, specifically through February seventh, there's a new release of the Stoller Pinot Noir Rosé. Save seven bucks on that; it's only nineteen fifty, and that pairs well with salads, fish, and sushi. So you can do that, and also you'll also be able to read about Stoller Vineyards on the Zupan's. Pin's website, but also they have uh, for those who are not aware, they have some great wine events at the Cellar Z on Burnside, February twenty second. They have a Portuguese wine event, six p.m. A full tour, sipping your way through Portugal while still in Portland.
1: Very nice. And you know what else uh, pairs with wine very well, Chris? Flowers, because just around the corner, Valentine's Day. Celebrate love that love in your life with a uh, bouquet of fresh flowers from your local Zoo pans. This is something I do every year for my wife, Randy, is I go to my local Zoo Pans and we put together a nice, unique arrangement with the best flowers. You can't go wrong at your local Zoo pans and their flowers. Do you do that with her? No, I do it by myself. I, yeah, I go I tell, there and I talk so to her. So this the-
0: indicates that she doesn't listen to the podcast because now you can't surprise her
1: well she's she's come to expect it it's it's no longer a surprise it's there's an expectation there and fortunately Zoopans is there to save my bacon
0: it always is and so you can that can happen at any one of three locations starting at burnside down in um on macadam in john's landing and also
1: lake oswego and of course we always recommend you check out the website you mentioned it earlier chris zoo All right. Here it is. Time once again. It is Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. I'm co-host Court Johnson.
0: Court, it's good to be with you this morning with everything working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've had some uh, some technical, uh, I don't want to say snafus because we've worked through them, but uh, today we both logged in. Everything was rolling great. It's going to be a great day. Yeah. Well, you and I haven't had too many problems. Our problems generally crop up with guests.
0: Uh, their connections and their equipment that they're using. So sure, we're we It's been a long time since we've been in a studio where things have not gone wrong. Um, but we've been, you know, we've been managing this pro- pro- podcast. <laughs> There's a technical error, a brain brain fart. So we've been managing this podcast remotely for uh, three years now, right? Yeah, coming on yep. three years. Mm-hmm. and it 's all good, I learned you know I was resisting it in the beginning, and then i 've learned you know just being able to have a cup have a cup of coffee and do this from um, my living room or my office is kind of nice, although what I, and i 've said this before i 'm not in Portland as much meeting people and doing things because I used to schedule a lot of business and social things around Mondays when we recorded the podcast. Not doing that now. So I get in, but I'm usually in now just for a specific thing. And in those days, on Mondays, I would say, all right, well, let's find something to do. <laughs> or Sunday night, that's not happening anymore. So, anyway, speaking of technical problems, the reason we brought it up is last week with Eric Finley, who many people would know from his former business chop uh, in Portland. Um, he and I had some technical problems along the way, so we re-recorded. We just redid the interview this week. So yeah. there were a few things that I was privy to that I might not have normally been privy to uh, on a first blush. So... Um but I don't think anybody would really notice the difference. I'm just thanking Eric for spending the time to do it with us twice. He was, Double the he, time, yeah. Yeah, he was fine, and I was fine. Actually, it was good because, um, you know, he's a really good guy. And as I point out in the podcast, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I don't get to spend an hour chatting. Hey, without the podcast, you and I wouldn't talk <laughs> that might, at least that right. much. Yep. But I don't get to now get to send, spend a solid hour with such great people. And I really enjoyed Eric. And Eric, by the way, this is in our
1: continuing new series, which is, uh, what is it called, Court? Where are they now? Or I think we went with where are they now, which is important, Chris, because we did have Eric on the podcast during the first year, episode 18. So if you want to go back in time and listen to that podcast and then to this one where we... Ask the question, where are they now? Right. So where are they now? And Eric left Portland in
0: 2018 to head off to Parts Unknown and ended up in Bentonville, Arkansas. So we talk a little bit about what Bentonville, Arkansas is all about, what his journey was, what he misses in Portland, um, what he followed while he was away and his thoughts on what's going on in Portland now and i have to say and probably most importantly for him is he uh turned around his life he talks about being depressed drunk and uh you know having a marriage that was in jeopardy and uh lots that was in jeopardy until he hit bottom and and he talks about that and so he's been 3 years sober now and uh man i really enjoyed my conversation with him so much so that doing it twice was just great so i really hope um people enjoy this as well i think they will eric was a, a mainstay at the portland farmers market for years he had a restaurant uh, well i guess it was a he had spots in city market and then also behind tasty and sons and he was a good friend and still is of the uh of the gorums so he's been following them right along as as have uh, we so um but court a couple of things before we get to the interview just
1: yeah prompt me go ahead so i was planning on prompting you because i'm doing this very thing right now it's that time of the year where you're starting to you know t- today we're recording this on february 2nd groundhog's day we're, we've been told there's six more weeks of winter which is just blah but it is that time of year where i think a lot of people start kind of mapping out vacations and trips for the rest of the year and. People can make it easy on themselves and let you do all the planning for them.
0: That's right. We have a track record since 2015 of going to uh, overseas to Italy, Spain, and elsewhere. But we do have two spots remaining in our upcoming Basque trip, Basque Spain trip with the great folks from Urdaneta. This is this is includes chef Javier Canteras, his wife J.L., and Andre Barnes, their superior server, front-of-the-house guy, who Wax, kind of front of the house, all through Spain. And uh, we've done two of these now over the last year, and this will be the third, and maybe the last one we do to Basque Country. We're hopeful to go somewhere else in Spain next year. But we have two spots left. Uh, It starts April 23rd and goes to May 2nd, and the trip is fantastic. We've got some wonderful hotels and excellent dining experience from just charcuterie and pinchos to awesome three michelin star experience uh in the countryside and we also go to a 500 year old farm that's been in the family for that period of time and they serve us an incredible lunch there's that we have a couple of spots remaining i'm happy to report to Sicily in the fall. It starts September 29th. That's eastern Sicily, including Terramina, Catania, Ortigia and Noto, and some other spots in between. We're still planning that. Um, but the itinerary for both trips, itineraries for both trips are portlandfoodadventures.com. And soon you'll find, uh, actually, you can probably find the ringside trip Uh, We've been doing trips uh, the past few years, a couple of years since COVID started, to the Snake River. Really special opportunity to go out there with two avid outdoorsmen and fishermen. Uh, first one in July is with Jonathan Gill, the chef at Ringside, and he brings a full Ringside spread out with him for the last evening, and he's just a lot of fun to be around. Um, he is, uh, you know, the guy who loves fishing, and, um, and speaking of that, if we're going to find anybody who anybody wants to go fishing with it's Leaf Gildersleeve at Flying Fish we we will have a trip in August neither of them are available for sale right now but i'm happy to take anybody's name and contact information and get in touch with them as soon as they're ready to go on sale and be purchased so that's one of them is July 9th and the other is August 11th, I believe. It would be the Sunday around that part of August. And so that would be with Leaf, the second one. They're great trips, and they have a lot of fun. We're we're working with a new company that bought Canyon Outfitters, Tributary Whitewater, this year. And uh, the folks at Canyon Outfitters have given us their full endorsement and blessing with, uh, with a new company. I got to meet the folks last year. Michael is fantastic. So um, it's a great trip. Three nights on the river, one night and halfway starting out. And um, you don't have, again, you don't have to do anything other than be there. Your campsite is set up, your tents are set up, your cots are set up, and your meals are served. Everything's cleaned up. It's unlike any camping on a river that one would ever have done before. So there you go. There's that. And I'm sure that Eric Finley would enjoy going because it sounds like the type of thing he would like to do. So um, let's join Eric on in our conversation um, about what he's up to now and talk a little bit about his memories of Portland, the way he remembers it. And the way, the way some, some ways he'd love to remember it, and some ways he's probably happy he's
2: not remembering it. Eric Finley. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Macadam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. And by... In Oregon, flavor is not just about food, but about character, freshness, and sustaining
0: this beautiful place. Our fishermen continue to work hard to bring that flavor to all families who care about good food and healthy eating. Oregon Dungeness crab—the flavor of Oregon. Sorry for the miscommunication about yesterday. That was simply cutting and pasting the week before. Just, just wanted to send you the link again, make it easier for you.
3: Yeah, it was kind of, a, it was a weird day, anyways, because it, uh, uh, we had a huge ice storm. So, um, everything's kind of closed down the city and yeah, my tooth cracked and blah, blah, blah. So whatever. Your
0: tooth cracked. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is it better? That's
3: it. That's now. that's what we pay, you know, as cooks, uh, notoriously, I think later on in life, you got bad teeth just from all that salt and the acid that keeps on going in your mouth, you know? You think, so. you
0: think that's it?
3: Well, and also guys don't take care of their health as well.
0: Well, that's true. I'm <laughs> sure that a lot of uh, restaurants don't come with dental plans.
3: Yeah, and that is very true, <laughs> and it's very expensive.
0: Yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, well, I'm, do you feel better now? Yeah. Very good. And, you know, you're not supposed to have ice storms in Arkansas, I don't think. I mean, that's not – when I think of ice storms, I don't think of Arkansas.
3: Yeah, when it, it when it comes, it comes pretty bad. Like it, it's it shut down, you know, pretty much the entire city. Wow, it was just gone.
0: So there's yeah, just there's no removal equipment. Almost, it's kind of like it is in Portland. They don't do much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of the um, speaking of the uh, a comparison between Portland and Bentonville. I wanted to talk about your life now. We kind of did this last week, but we had technical problems. So we're doing this again. So hopefully we'll be even better at this interview than we were last time. But I thoroughly (laughs) enjoyed it already. I was bummed that we weren't able to really put it through. But we got things ironed out here in the first 30 seconds instead of all throughout the hour dealing Absolutely. with them. So, so Eric, it's um, great to have you with us again. And I I told you last week that one of the things I love about this podcast is it enables the, me the opportunity to spend an hour with really cool people. And you're one of them. And we haven't spent an hour ever. And especially since you moved from um, from Portland, which was what now four or five years ago? Yeah, right
3: around there. For I think it was about five years ago.
0: All right, so you have your life has changed drastically. Your health has changed. Mm -hmm. Your geography has changed. Your Mm -hmm. your job has changed. So
3: my mindset on life has changed.
0: Good. Well, we really want (laughs) to. We really want to talk about that. And but I think. Most of the people in Portland um, who went to the farmers market a few years ago would know you best as the proprietor of Chop Butchery, right? Did you? Is that what, how you refer to it as Chop? Chop what? Yeah, I
3: always like Chop Butchery and Charcuterie. Right. You know, I like I like the full the full name, like you know, Mediterranean Exploration Company instead of MEC. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, CHOP is usually just what we went by.
0: Well, no, the thing is when you get to be well known enough for yeah. MEC, they can call it MEC, right? They yeah, wanna start out that way. But yeah, it didn't no. it didn't take long. So <laughs> no. at any rate, Chop and um, I know I got to know you because I, I don't know who it was who recommended I meet you. It may have been John Coram. I don't know. Because you were in the back of Tasty and Sons. Mm-hmm. um that was your shop there but we did, we could also find you as i said at the portland farmer's market
3: and also at city market as well right
0: right city yeah, market yeah. as that,
3: well that, that was our butcher shop main butcher shop
0: oh well when did i see you in back of tasty what happened there Uh, well, we opened up
3: there and then we closed, uh, we closed the sandwich part down, you know, within a year, uh, just didn't have the business that we wanted to. And we were planning on expanding the salami side. So, uh, we just went ahead and, and shut that off completely. So it just made sense financially to, to do it.
0: And look how things have changed, right? You're not behind Tasty and Sons. Tasty and Sons isn't in... At Tasty & Sons. No, what is At Tasty & Sons now? Oh, you know, I know. I've passed it. I don't remember. I haven't been there. So it wouldn't key me to. But nothing's what it used to be. You know, Lincoln used to be there, and now it's EAM. Oh, Lincoln, So there's something cool there now, EAM. uh, But also, City Market isn't there any longer either.
3: No, no, that's a shame. Yeah. You know,
0: that that was
3: a Portland institution for a long time, you know, and it's sad to see a a small little grocery store kind of, you know, fade away. But, you know, there's still Provador, you know, and, um, but, you know, it just came almost impossible for us to stay there. We were just getting swallowed up by all these big guys, you know, and can't compete against them.
0: Right. So, but that was not what caused you to leave when you left um, and and Uh, seek greener pastures, or was it?
3: Well, kind of, because I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that we were going to lose our lease anyways. And, you know, I kind of wanted to get out of there before then um, and actually was actively working on like selling the company, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just didn't come to fruition. So, you know, I looked at the future and it was either I invest in the salami side and stay there and uh, which I wasn't really happy doing. Or you know, I got to change my life, so I decided the latter.
0: And what were some of the things you wanted to change about your life uh, at that point in time?
3: Well, I was drinking really, really heavily. Um, I don't think I was really present in my uh, in my marriage or my fatherhood. So you know, that was that was my biggest thing that I had to change. You know, and and just kind of. Uh, uh, getting away from that scene um which I felt was getting a little too um uh harsh for me. Uh that's a very simple way to say it. Uh I just I I needed to get out of it. I needed to, I needed fresh air, basically, you know.
0: And this something, was before COVID else. too. This was oh, before yeah. um the city really changed. So you yeah. were you were seeing some changes. I know it wasn't all environmental. I mean, there, as you just pointed out, there were a lot of things internally that you needed yeah. to deal sure. with. But some environmental things affected your decision, too, yeah. in Portland. And that was, you know, before every the shit hit the fan, so to speak, in during COVID. And Well, uh, you
3: know, I, I saw it in Northwest Portland. You know, there was just a change between, you know, the homeless. It just uh, it kind of got um, mean, you know and uh sketchy dangerous and that's when i kind of saw everything kind of turn and um I, we didn't have any friendly local neighborhood bums anymore you know the bums in quotations uh it, it, they just started getting mean and, and the whole city in in a way just for me it just felt like it was getting mean i don't know
0: well lisa schroeder was on this on the podcast recently being right in the middle of it there. And she pointed out we really don't have, in Portland, it's really not a homeless problem. It's a drug problem. So that, would, oh, it is. So that basically points to what you're talking about was the homeless co- existed in Portland for years without it being really dangerous. Mm. And then it became dangerous when, when it became a meth problem, I think. <laughs> You
3: know, and it's not a Portland thing. You know, it's a Seattle thing, San Francisco. Philadelphia is horrible. You know, I mean, that's just—it's an America thing. You know, it's—it's it's horrible. It's tragic what's going on. You know, but um, yeah, is I didn't get involved in any of that.
0: Is <laughs> it—is it a Bentonville thing?
3: No, no. Um, we got—we have some good old fashioned meth around here, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's not it's not too bad. Actually down the road, um in gentry, I guess it's known as kind of methy. Actually the guy that uh busted into uh, Pelosi's uh office during January sixth, he lives right down the road from us, about five miles down the road. So, um, yeah. Oh, he made the tri-
0: he made the trip all the way. Oh no! So
3: that's our local celebrity, man.
0: Oh wow! So yeah. And he's not he's not going to be around long, right? He's. No, I think he, he's going to jail. He, is he already gone? Uh, no, he
3: still lives here, but I think he's going to jail. We'll see.
0: Oh, okay, so we'll get to that. What it's like to live around people who cheered on that action. Um, versus, you know, in Portland, which was obviously very politically different than where you are now.
3: Well, I don't know, you know, and I think that's a misconception. Um, I have yet to work with really any conservative people. Uh, you know, everybody in in the kitchens and the restaurants are pretty liberal. Um, there's definitely liberal people here. And like... I I just think that everybody just kind of stays out of everybody's business. You know, back in the day, it was actually considered rude to ask if you were a Republican or a Democrat. Oh,
0: it never happened. Now you don't have to ask.
3: No, 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 no. You know, and it's also that and and you know what your medical status is, you know? I mean, all these things used to be rude and now everybody wants to know. I don't know why, but, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. All I know is that it's it's safe here. Uh people like one another. Everybody gets along. Um and I, you know, that's just I, I like it.
0: So let's talk about your journey there. How you got there from Portland, and 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 your decision to end up in Bentonville. I don't think you were on when you left Portland. That was your destination.
3: No, it wasn't. We didn't really have one at all. I um, just bought. We sold our house. We bought a, a thirty-two foot long trailer. Um, I bought a Ford pickup truck, and we hooked that thing up, and you know, and we took off headed east and we had no really no clue all we wanted to do at that point was go on a on a road trip you know basically and my wife and i hadn't been on one for a while and it was fun you know i mean the places that we got to see wyoming and montana and i got to see the grand tetons for the first time which were just spectacular you know and seeing the east coast um seeing memphis uh uh, being at Sun Records, um, you know, uh, going to Dollywood, uh, fantastic, you know, it was, uh, I don't know. There were just all these really cool experiences that we had along the way. And, um, eventually it had to come to an end and we had to try to figure out where we were going to move to. And we just kind of stumbled upon this place and and found its beauty, I guess, you know, it's small town charm.
0: And you have some roots there too, right? Some from way back when.
3: uh, My family's my family, my kin is is all from out here, um, and they all moved, you know, over to Bakersfield, California, where I was born during the Dust Bowl. So, you know, I, I it's in a way a I'm kind of coming Let's just back.
0: Clarify that you weren't yeah. born during the but the Dust Bowl. No, no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I might.
3: You never yeah. know. We might have another one. Uh, no,
0: but I just didn't. You you would have to be 80 years old. Yes. Right? No. Or no. No. Like no. Right now.
3: Um, no. No. Uh, but moving here, it kind of. Um, I kind of feel I don't know. I just kind of feel at home for some weird reason. Uh, my aunt lives here. Uh, I have a cousin that lives here. I have another cousin that wants to move here. You know, it just I don't know. It's it. I like it.
0: And so you're encouraging them all to come, and you didn't uh, you immediately didn't find employment there, but you've had quite a few gigs since you've moved there now. And uh, very different, you know? You you played Bill Murray. You played a Bill Murray role for a little while there as a screenskeeper. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, uh, and you've worked in a, a couple of things that I found it interesting when you... Indicated at the time, you were really happy when you were working for Sam's Club as their executive chef, correct?
3: No, I wasn't happy. Uh, that was... Well, um, the
0: first day you went, when oh, you announced it. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I, I had some sort of, uh, pride with it. I also had a little thing in my stomach where I was just like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing here. Also, I was like, I don't know if I'm capable of doing this, you know, but it, we had basically had to feed 1600 people a day with a brand new menu every single day, you know? And it, I, I, made it happen we never really repeated anything and uh the food came out rad i was pretty happy you know and during that time actually we won an award in our department for like the best um department in all of sam's you know so that was pretty cool um but it just the corporate thing just doesn't i'm not a corporate guy i I will get in trouble eventually you know so
0: well it's it's my nature (laughs) Well, you were starting to get in trouble, right? You were written up.
3: Yeah, I was written up uh, and <laughs> uh, for not uh, following the uh, Walmart golf, golf uh, guidelines. And uh, I, at that point, I was like, "Enough's enough!" Like, I, I, I'm 47. I, I've never been written up in my life, and I'm definitely not going to start now, especially <laughs> from a, from a corporation. No. No, so you can gotta kiss my ass on the way out, you know, As, in a loving is, way. Is that what you told them? Is that <laughs> no. how it worked? All how did, no, are you kidding me? Walmart owns this town. Not in a million years would I do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Walmart's well, great.
0: <laughs> and you know that all their, all their uh, department heads listen to this podcast, so now yeah. you've said it. You've said you can kiss my ass on the way out.
3: Hey, you know what? I will say about this, about Walmart for this community they have given so much to this community. It's absolutely insane. You know, I mean, we're the biking, uh, mountain biking capital of the world. We have more trails than, than anywhere. Uh, and people fly from all over the country, all over the world, just to come here just so they can mountain bike, you know, um, our parks, we have plenty of them. We have the largest, um, collection of American art in the entire world, you know, and that's, that's all of, uh, um, The Waltons doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Crystal Bridges. um, Yeah, we got, it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot here to offer. And and also with the small town charm, you know.
0: Right, and you had indicated last time we spoke that, Uh, the way Walmart does business is that if you're going to do business with them, you need to open an office down there, which has completely blown up the economy, right? Because when you've got employees for so many different companies headquartered there who have to live there, um, you know, you're doing, you've got a, uh, first of all, you're a little more diverse than just being Walmart. Yeah. And, and secondly, you know, it, um, It adds to the mix a little bit. I wonder what it, I don't know what it looks like now. Do you have any idea what it looked like 30 years ago versus today? Um, yeah, from what, well,
3: yeah, everything I've heard, it was nothing but orchards out here. And then, you know, it's just progress. They want to call it progress comes in and, and there's just basically kind of like a lot of track homes. Uh, unfortunately that's where I'm at right now. We're going to be moving back up to Bella Vista up in the, um, right at the foot of the Ozarks, um, pretty soon. Uh, yeah, it was just there wasn't a lot of people here, you know. And now I think Bentonville has 53,000, I think that's what the number says. Um, uh, you know, before that, there was probably 3,000, you know. And it's it it's a shame for the locals here, for sure, I feel for them, because there's so many people moving in. Um, uh, things are getting crowded, you know. But it, but that tells you that it's just, it, it's a hidden gem here for some reason that nobody really knows about. And it's, it's really nice.
0: Except for 53,000 people.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of them have been forced to come, you know, because also Tyson's head, headquarters is here as well. And also, um, uh, uh, one of the trucking, um, ones is here as well. So, um, JB Hunt, uh, so, there's all these big corporations that are here, and they're paying really good wages. You know, the cost of living's pretty low. Um, our wages are really high. You know, both my wife and I do very well. Um, so, yeah, much better than struggling um, like we were, you know, in Portland. So sure. was it a
0: was it it was a long term struggle in Portland for you both? And and chop was not what what it. <laughs> where you thought it was going to be? Well, you know,
3: one time at CHOP, we had, we had uh, uh, accumulated quite a bit of debt, you know, and we were in kind of a, a tight spot with our purveyors. And we had, you know, basically the option to walk away or, or pay them all off. And um, we took a year. Paula and I didn't take a paycheck, and we paid everybody off, you know. And that was... That to me was, it it was super important to do. Um, And I'm so glad that our purveyors worked with us. Uh, That was right around the time that we were opening up the other business as well. And, you know, I don't really, I didn't know anything about business before I started it. You know, I just, I just thought, well, we can just do it. So it, you know, just... Open up a place that makes salami. I don't don't know. I've never even walked into a USDA facility. I pretty much did the entire thing on my phone. You know, so anything's possible in life. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. But uh, it could also sink you as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, thankfully you didn't sink. So let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about what you found in Bentonville. Maybe a few of your personal experiences, your business experiences, and what you're doing now.
3: Well, right now, uh, right now I am running a food truck, uh, for, um, this establishment in, in here, uh, called the butter biscuit. Uh, my wife's been working for them for the last three years and she is a manager at one of their restaurants. Um, and it's a breakfast brunch place, which is exactly what she was doing at tasty. Um, so, you know, we're both off at nights and uh yeah i'm just i'm i have a literally they threw a brand new uh huge 32 foot long well no i 28 feet long something that, like that that's, that's not huge. your basic
0: food truck no, no
3: no no it's huge that's like
0: an rv right that's like rv size
3: and it's sad because you know we have four restaurants and i think that that bus is bigger than two of the kitchens that we have, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's fun so far. I'm, I'm definitely learning a lot, you know? Um, there's definitely a lot of mise en place that needs to happen in there. Everything literally has to be in its place or else it just gets really chaotic in there, but, um, I love it.
0: And so, um, Is it mobile? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're
3: we're on wheels, um, and we roll. So, um, you know, right now we're just kind of testing the waters, and uh, we have a break-in period, basically, um, until things start really happening. And we're already booking caterings now, and everybody really wants the bus, the biscuit bus, you know, um, for their parties and stuff. So uh, I think it's going to be a very, very busy summer. Uh, this may be the first and last year that I do a food truck. Who knows? I might move move on, do something else. I have no clue. I gave him a year though. (laughs) Oh, so you have a year.
0: So, and you're committed to the year without, uh, that's
3: what I did at Sam's club too. I said, look, I'll give you a year. If it doesn't work out between us, uh, if, if I don't work, if I don't want to be here, I leave. If you don't want me here, I'll leave. Uh, you know, if, if, if it works, then we'll stay. Um, and I left literally two days short of a year. You know, I oh, so it. Oh yeah, man. I'm a I'm, I try to be a man of my word these days. You know, good. Yeah.
1: Hey, Chris. Let's pause a moment and talk about Oregon Dungeness crab. It's a favorite dish at holiday gatherings,
0: special occasions, or just when you're in the mood for the sweet, delicate, deliciousness you
1: can only get from Oregon's tastiest crustacean. It's harvested sustainably from Oregon's cold, clean coastal waters and is available now at your favorite seafood retailer or restaurant. Oregon Dungeness serves up equally as an appetizer or an entree and lends itself to both down-home and white tablecloth cuisine.
0: And it's also as nutritious as it is tasty. We know it's tasty. A three-ounce portion of cooked meat has 19 grams of protein and contains important minerals and amino acids. It's low in both fat and calories
1: as well as cholesterol and carbohydrates. That's important to me. Yeah, and rest assured, the fishermen are not just delivering a delicious and and healthy product. They're also taking care of natural resources for future generations. Visit OregonDungeness.org
0: for information on preparing your favorite crab dish and learning more about the
1: fleet. So go ahead and crack the mystique. Oregon Dungeness crab, the flavor of Oregon.
0: And you sound, it just seems like... Uh, you're very happy now. You're clean, you know, you've been sober for how long now?
3: Uh, three years, three years in January
0: 6th. Oh, congratulations. We just passed that. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Yeah, you're, so everything is happier for you now. Did you realize how, I mean, obviously to get up and move and talk about those things, When you were in it, did you realize how close to the bottom you were? What did it take for you to get to the bottom for you to turn things around?
3: Um, it took the threat of a divorce and also, um, me just being really sick and having to be hospitalized, you know, um uh actually i went in one time and and they had put me on so many drugs i literally ripped the uh, iv out of my arm and i said dude i'm not staying here anymore i was completely like just delirious i had no clue and i remember my doctor was like uh we're, we're not gonna see you again if this happens and uh eventually he did he did become my um gastroenterologist and he's a great guy he saved my life you know all those nurses saved my life um my wife saved my life my parents saved my life you know my son saved my life there's just all these uh thank yous that i have um in my life right now that you know i'm just very appreciative of of you know uh generosity of people i guess for somebody who may have not deserved it you know So I don't know.
0: Well, that's not necessarily true. But these are. It sounds like you have a viewpoint on everything. You know, every day. You, I don't think, based on what you're saying, (laughs) you you woke up in Portland and thought, "Bless this day! I can't wait to attack it." not not necessarily attack it but live it yeah uh now it sounds like you are yeah yeah you know i
3: think uh going through the paces plus you know I, I i think both paul and i were just stressed you know it was a very stressful job to have we were busy you know and it was like um it was hard to make a dollar off of just selling meat you know um And, uh, but we did it, we did it really well. And I think we did it pretty professionally. And I'm very proud of the, every product that we put out there, you know, uh, and we put a lot of product out there. We did some really, really cool stuff that nobody else was doing in the city, you know?
0: And you did it week after week. And as I pointed out to you last time we spoke, I just, it always impressed me that you would be out there and there was always a line at the chop Uh, booth at the Portland uh, Farmer's Market. You were always so uh, cordial and nice. I can't imagine that was so easy with so many people.
3: Well, I definitely had my I've definitely had my days, uh, you know, uh, I think with anybody, you know, you kind of do, you get kind of, uh, bombarded a little too much, but yeah, we were dealing with so many people down there. It was absolutely insane. And, you know, for the first couple of years, I think I did it entirely by myself down there until Paula was like, you're not doing this by yourself anymore. So we finally got, I got help down there, which really, uh, let me kind of like talk to the customers a little bit more. But towards the end of it, you know, where I was just not really involving myself in anything, I just, I kind of walked away from the whole thing. I just wasn't into it anymore, I guess, you know? Uh, maybe it was answering the same questions over and over again, or I just didn't have the feeling anymore, you know?
0: Or, or speaking to vegans, couldn't have been
3: fun. Yeah, no. You know, and then also I was all, I was having a little bit of a quandary, you know, about the whole meat business as well. You know, uh, after cutting so much meat, after a while in my head, I was like, man, I'm cutting through flesh, you know. Um, it it kind of got to me a little bit. Um, I don't really f- – I, I don't know. I kind of feel that way now only because Tyson's here, you know, and it's like I – uh, I've heard, I've heard the, uh, stories of the hormones that have been dumped into the water around here and how people have kind of changed over the years, um, because of those hormones going in, in the water system. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of in the future kind of want to advocate for food. I'm just not quite too sure what it is yet. I don't know.
0: Hmm. Well, that'd be an interesting yeah. evolution. Who knows? Yeah, who maybe, knows? Maybe, um, well, that's interesting. So, um, talk a little bit about um, life in Bentonville. Like you did mention, you're at the base of the Ozarks, mm-hmm. and um, you know, is I asked you last time we spoke, is it like it sounds like population-wise, it's like Corvallis kind of size? Yeah, probably, right?
3: probably right up? on 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 point there. And it kind of feels like Corvallis in a way, but a little bit bigger, you know, um, uh, that, and, and that just the money is, it's just so, I don't know. It's so, uh, we have so much money in the city. It's absolutely insane. So my life here is, you know, basically just, uh, right now it's just work. Um, cause I'm setting up this, you know, this bus and I'm just work, 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 work all the time. Um, which I don't mind, uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I'm doing now. The winter times here kind of suck uh, big times because we don't have a lot of greenery. You know, there's a lot of oaks and stuff, and everything loses its leaves. But during the summertime, this place is gorgeous. There's fishing everywhere, um, tons of trails. Uh, the outdoors is just—I don't know—just it's beautiful here. Absolutely beautiful, stunning.
0: And how old is your, how old is your is your son? Uh, he's 11. And how many? And how do you have one yeah. child? I'm yeah, sorry. just one. Oh, so eleven is a really good time, yeah. man. That's a that's a, you better take advantage of it yeah. now. Uh, well, you know, I had least- I had
3: the opportunity to spend an entire summer with them. You know, while I was trying to get better, um, trying to get better physically uh and that was before i I started working on the golf course um I spent a whole summer with them. you know it was it was nice i don't I'm probably never gonna have that chance ever again in my life. you know I'm also never gonna have the chance the opportunity to drive across the country, probably either with them you know so
0: it, so yeah, those are two things i yeah. learned It was twenty years ago that I did my baseball trips across the country, and my kids were 12 and or no yeah 11 and 13 or 11 and 14 and i figured just what you said i'm not gonna have this yeah, opportunity no. to spend this kind of time with them or even you know gas was a dollar 60 a gallon <laughs> yeah and so i didn't even have it in my budget for doing when i did fifteen thousand miles across the country i didn't even budget gas in. now you'd have yeah. to um But yeah, you don't, you you know, and then I don't know about your kids. I have two sons and they both were very different in their teen years. So, and my brother and I were, kind of different in our teen years so I hope you get the, the easy well so, uh, I don't know
3: he's a Finley he's an only child so was I so I don't know I, I hope nothing but good luck for him my wife is the only uh, uh, valuable thing in the household right now uh, keeping everything together <laughs> I'm only saying that because I'm looking at her at the couch <laughs> uh,
0: alright well can she, can, I don't know if she can hear no, what no, we're talking no. about and she can only hear your yeah. side of it oh so we could we could orchestrate some really crazy <laughs> <We could>. things <laughs> and have you talk about it so is your uh is your son into baseball you know too? what
3: uh we did little league for um, a hot second here's the problem with that uh uh this area in particular is really hardcore about baseball we uh the hogs put out some of the best players in the country um as far as college athletics go um there are some corn fed boys here that were on little league that I, that were supposed to be nine that looked like they were 15 and they were nine, you know, and uh, my son was a pitcher and I remember he was, he was actually a pretty good, darn good pitcher. And uh, one of the last games this dude, this kid, Bohemoth came up and he was like, he must have been five. I don't know, five, 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 six, but for a nine year old and the kid probably weighed about, you know, 180 pounds. I'm like, Where where but since day one, (laughs) that kid had been trained for baseball. So, you know, that's also the same thing with football around here too. If you don't start, I would think it would be football. No, well, we're both, um, football is really big here, but baseball is, uh, baseball is pretty huge and we got some great fields here
0: as well. You know,
3: really, really nice fields.
0: Who's the big major league team there? The Cardinals?
3: Uh, yeah, we have the Cardinals and uh, we have KC. The, the Roy? Yeah. Right. How, so which, which is uh, closer? I believe St. Louis is closer, I think. Maybe.
0: All right. So how's that for a Dodger <laughs> fan to, to have that be the local uh, I, I guess don't know. it doesn't I, matter anymore. I'm, you you get the MLB TV package and you just want your Yeah, Dodger but fan. the
3: games come on so at late here, it's insane, you know. They don't start until you know eight o'clock. At night, and then you got to sit through a twelve-hour game. You know. Um. <laughs>
0: See, I have the opposite as a Met fan in Oregon. I view it as the best. It's the, the game start at four. I can have dinner around the seventh inning, and I love it. The Game's over at seven. I can go out and look at go out and hang out with the sunset. So um, yeah, we have it a little better, I guess. But uh, but you'll manage. Right, it's not, at least you're not on the east coast. What are you, Central? Time? Uh, yeah, Central. Yeah, yeah, Central time. Well, that's could be Mountain, but at least you're not on the east coast because those west coast yeah. games forget it. Yeah. You can't watch them there. So, um but is your son into the Dodgers? Oh yeah, too?
3: absolutely. Well, he doesn't really have a choice. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, he has a choice not to be. Well, in yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> And and what
3: about your wife? Does she join you in in your? Oh God, run? my wife's a bigger fan than I am. My wife will oh, oh, she'll okay, stay good. up and late and watch every single game. I'll go to sleep. No, she'll no, she's diehard, diehard Dodgers fan.
0: Oh, that's a, well, that that's yeah. glue. That helps yeah. keep you together. I would yeah. I, I would imagine. <laughs> well, that's great. So, uh, well, I hope you get to a game. So you'll you'll have more opportunities with the with the yeah I think change. so
3: yeah now I just got to survive yeah, well, St Louis you know
0: <laughs> yeah did you did, I just heard just yesterday who's a chip which carry is has moved from the Braves to the Cardinals to be their announcer so that's who you're getting you're getting one oh of very carries. nice. <laughs> Which is full yeah. circle, right? Harry <laughs> Carey started with the Cardinals years ago. All right, enough baseball. Now I could just hear click, click, yeah. click people turn, tuning out of this podcast. I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, you were uh, friends with the Gorums, of course. Uh, and it sounds like your wife worked for them. I didn't know yeah. that. So she worked for them as well. So were you paying attention to a lot of the stuff that was going on in, in uh, Portland in the 2020 and uh, what was going on? Yeah, it was like a
3: train wreck. Yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, just watching the whole thing from afar. I was like, Oh my goodness gracious. You know? Um, Yeah. uh, You know, there's one thing that I kind of realized there's a big difference between the generation that just kind of did all of that, and my generation, our generation would never narc on another person, especially another another um, uh, chef or a cook. Like we banded together in the city and we took care of each other. We didn't we didn't point fingers at one another. You know, I find that kind of unfortunate, but uh, that's, I think that's just the world that we live in right now. It's a you know. It's a blame game kind of thing, you know, and unfortunately, it ruins a lot of people's lives, you know, and uh, I don't think a man's life and his livelihood should be taken away from him because of somebody's um, uh, thought that they said something inappropriate. It's like, you know, I mean, everybody has said at one time, you know, something inappropriate. Uh, Once you get off your high horse, you can't destroy you just can't go around destroying people like that it doesn't it doesn't make for a very well society and as we see now i think it's it's going away you know, with the help of Dave Chappelle and Netflix and and everything else of people actually standing up and going, look, you're taking away our freedom of speech. Like, you can't do that. I mean, I don't mean to get political or anything, but the thing that, you know, that happened with John was nobody knows what the facts were except for John and this other person. That's it. And as far as I know, John didn't really say much of anything afterwards because – he was most concerned about. Yeah, vandalism. that was That's it. it started, and I so. I, right there with him. You know, everybody wants to say that. Oh, well, they have insurance. Yeah. We also have deductibles. And then the insurance rates go up. You know, I mean, what? Just because somebody has that can afford an, a window, that means you can break it. No, I don't think so.
0: Well, and 16 times in a span of 16, six weeks while you're, fe- while you're feeding yeah. the homeless and the industry and you have brain yeah. cancer, the whole thing. So it's kind of crazy. But one it of the was things the best that thing I that ever happened did to a him. lot of things...
3: It was by far the best thing. Yeah,
0: no, they're, they're doing well. I just heard from... Uh, you know, I've been down to RBC in Bend and uh, I, I think I've... Uh, I've said this to others. I think I might have said this to you last week. One of the the nicest things I could see was John on the line at his big, beautiful new restaurant with a giant Mm -hmm. shit-eating grin on his face because he was so happy doing that. And things worked out well. And you know, also for Renee and Mm -hmm. Garrett Peck, it's cool. But one of the things, first of all, it wasn't only John. I mean, there was so much shit being slung. Um, and I'm not saying that people weren't justified in some of the things. Uh, I'm not making a, a, a blanket judgment, but words are not necessarily violence. They are not the same thing as something that's actually physically violent if you just say something. So um, it's I, I just think that there there was a conflation of when you say something, you are doing the same thing. So, Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, during that time, it just I
3: I remember up here, you know, we actually in our square in Bentonville Square, we have uh, um, like our old timey square. It actually has the original um, Walton's five and dime is there. Uh, His old truck is there. It's where our our courthouse is at and everything. It's just just beautiful square. And in the middle of it, we had some Confederate soldier. I don't even know who it was, to tell you the truth. Um, And they ripped that thing out of there during all that time. And I remember there was one time where a bunch of kids came and they were protesting they put an end to that so fast. It was insane, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't because, uh, they were taking away their freedom of speech. It was, you know, a fear of vandalism. This one thing about here is, uh, everybody kind of, they pick up after themselves, you know, so it, it's clean here. And I don't think people really want that, the, the, the troubles here, you know, that they're going to have in other places.
0: I don't think no, they want to in Portland either. There's
3: no way. As a civilized human being, <laughs> there's no way you can. And there's also no way you can walk down the street and not have some sympathy and humanity for for these people that are all strung out, you know. Um, it's sad. It's sad that it's these people have become, you know, just uh, – rubble on the street you know and people just walk by what can you do what can you do at this point you know and as as a former well i guess you know they say as an alcoholic you're always an alcoholic i i don't know if i truly believe that or not but as somebody who's gone through addiction um you know it's it's a tough thing to break now a physical addiction to fentanyl or to heroin you know as we know is is uh much different and um you can see it on the streets it's sad sad we don't have that here though not at all and it's not that way in the rest of the country you know it's just the big big cities
0: right yeah no it's tough and i think you know that started out in 2002 there's so many things come into play um but yeah the vandalism i think they still haven't figured it out and it wasn't until kim malik at salt and straw threatened (laughs) to move out of the city that they actually started making minor little actions and and they they've just declared their zone a cleanup zone well there's a lot of zones to clean up so if you're just gonna all you have are the resources to try to clean one up and then I know they've tried that in other areas of the city and it didn't last more than a couple of days. So,
3: you know, the last (laughs) meal that I had in Portland, uh, was from good taste down in Chinatown, which was my, by far my favorite Chinese restaurant down there. It was fantastic. So I went down there and picked up food. And when I did, man, it's, you know, where it's at, it's right by where the, um, it's right at the beginning of Chinatown. I don't know if you can even say that anymore. Uh, and, um, I just looked around it, and it was just uh, – it looked like a bomb went off. And I felt so bad for the owners of that, that place, of that establishment. And, like, even Nick Zookin, you know, his place was down there as well. You know, it's – I don't know when uh, – I'm not going on political tangent. I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it.
0: No, I don't necessarily think you. that's a political tangent. That's a civilization yeah. – Tangent, and yeah. uh, that's livability. So, um, listen. I want to take a little break here uh, from our friends at Ringside Steakhouse, and uh, come back and talk to you a little bit about some of your awesome early experiences in the food world. I know you. You know you were friends with uh, Gabriel mm-hmm. Rucker, and you know some of the things that you experienced sure. yeah. way back when.
1: All right, Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse.
0: Right. For over, it says on their website, over 78 years, I'm thinking we're getting close to 80. It might be over 79 years for Ringside Steakhouse. There are very few restaurants, I can only think of a couple in Portland that can claim that banner, having been here through thick and thin for many years ringside is of course a um a hallmark when it comes for occasions business meetings or even uh if
1: you're just looking for great service and a great night out it's ringside and of course you can't go wrong on monday nights with their three course prime rib dinner um that includes obviously uh the best prime rib in town and also of course you get uh You know, other things that go along with it, which includes that creme brulee for dessert. Right. And I think they're Yorkshire pudding, which is fantastic as well. Oh Yeah, I'm going to suggest that if anybody
0: hasn't had enjoyed Wagyu steak, they check out ringside and look at their offerings there. Um, Yes, it's a premium experience, but it's well worth it if you're a steak lover and want to try something out of the ordinary. Ringside does uh, a fantastic job sourcing
1: their Wagyu beef from Japan. And speaking of out, Chris, we should point out that uh, maybe one of the great things that might have come from the pandemic is that takeout is still available at Ringside Steakhouse, something that wasn't available before the pandemic.
0: Right. You can order it up to an hour ahead of time, up until 9 p.m. You just uh, go to the Ringside's website, order a fantastic meal to enjoy at home. It'll be better than whatever you have planned, and pick it up an hour later.
1: And on the website, Chris, we should also point out that's where you can make reservations or make those reservations through the Open Table app.
0: All right, so we're here with Eric Finley, formerly of CHOP, and now of, did you say butter biscuit? Buttered butter Biscuit? biscuit? Yeah. The Buttered Biscuit, yeah. that sounds good. We do, we do some amazing food, I, I,
3: and you know, they're really, really great people to work for, and um, I don't know, it, it feels nice to be kind of back in a smaller um. Family environment, you know, and these guys really they believe in what they believe and um, yeah, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now and I don't mind it. It's nice. It's nice just to work around positivity, you know.
0: that's pretty that's awesome what are some of the things you're making Um, well you know the
3: cool thing is i kind of have carte blanche with this food truck so the four restaurants you know basically it's all breakfast um specializing in biscuits of course um but we do you know full breakfast but a wonderful wonderful breakfast uh the bus was kind of put together for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one for advertisement, it's just a big billboard. And then number two for to kind of experiment uh, with a couple of other ideas that maybe might be kicked Further on down the road, so that 's basically what i 'll be doing on the bus is I kind of have the freedom to do pretty much everything that I want to do, which is uh, you know it 's kind of the same thing that I had at sam 's as well sam's you know i didn 't have a food cost it was you know a million dollars loss that was that was what our we were aiming for as long as we didn't lose over a million dollars. It was fine. And you just order anything, um, that you wanted to. It was ridiculous. Um, and now, uh, I have the ability to kind of create everything that I want to do, you know, and I'm really been passionate about Southern food, even when I was in Portland, you know, and, um, Uh, Like I had the opportunity to go eat at Husk in Charlottesville, you know, and it was absolutely everything that I I thought it would be. You know, I had their vegetarian plate and it was fantastic. Um, And I just I don't know. I I love the uh, I love the there's something about the sweat and the smoke and the um, the old time recipes and the um, the culture that goes along with with the food of the South that I really love you know, and I really want to explore more.
0: And so where did you cut your chops and you had to learn to cook? Where did you cut your chops? No, was it in no, Portland No, 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 no. Uh, or-
3: no. I mean, I'd been doing it since I was 16, you know, working in um, restaurants, um, washing dishes and, and then doing, you know, pantry and sweeping floors and all that kind of stuff. Um, I cooked, you know, for five years up in, up in Alaska during the summertime, um, I cooked in Portland at Atwaters back in the day where uh it was Portland City Grill um for a while. I don't know if it still is. Is Portland City Grill still around? Mm. Yeah, I Atwaters was a is, great yeah. restaurant, man. Back in the day, that was pretty much like tops, like it was that Paley's place, and I think there was one other place called One Fish, Two Fish, Bluefish or something like that, and Wildwood. Um but there wasn't really much going on. Cafe Azul. Um, there wasn't really much going on. And all these guys that I knew that were kind of like the same age as myself, like Ben Bettinger, um, uh, like Gabe Rucker, uh, Patrick McKee, um, all these guys, they all they all st- were under the tutelage of of Vitali, and when they broke out, they really became successful. You know, I remember seeing Gabe at the farmers market when they first opened up, and that dude would be down there, you know, grocery shopping, and then he'd go back and cook it, and then he would serve everything. He was like a one man operation, and
2: yeah when when it first opened before that was
3: a place called colleen's i believe and it had a uh it was just that that hood man that copper hood uh that's a beautiful space that he has in there you know and and he does uh just absolutely rad food you know but from my understanding uh my wife worked with him at paley's place back in the day and uh he was always really creative with the um um the hellos that, you know, we had to make the uh, amuse-bouche and, um, yeah, the kid's just super talented, you know, and has brought a lot of other guys up with him, you know, um, yeah, it's, that's what we used to do back in the day, you know, you get somebody and you bring them up, um, And all of us came from, I think, a background of kind of rough kitchens, you know, during the early 2000s and and late 90s, um, where that whole pirate Anthony Bourdain bullshit was going around, you know, where you had to be, you know, uh, it was either, uh, excuse my words, uh, but either fuck or fight on a Saturday night, you know, and I think those days are just, they're, they're over, you know, for the most part, uh. I don't think these kids have the I don't think they have the guts to live the life we lived as cooks back in the day. But it made us who we are and I think what it did do is actually it made us a lot of us really um as we get older a little bit more sympathetic and a little a lot wiser and also just treating people with uh more respect than we were treated with, you know, growing up in in the industry.
0: Well, that was a little bit about what you know, we touched on it a little while ago. That yeah. eighty six list. You know that that was that that was kind of the change. Uh, from You can't do this anymore. I mean, from doing this and getting and have getting away with it, or that was a way of life. In the <laughs> hey, kitchen, you know, you I mean, know I
3: can't. Most of it was not probably right. You know, I mean, look at what happened, you know, at the Spotted Pig in New York. I mean, that was horrendous, the stuff that was happening. And by the way, I've worked in tons of restaurants that stuff like that was happening. You know, Um, it just it was par for the course back in the day. You know, it's just uh, just kind of our life. Um, It's just not that way anymore. You know, you do that, you get a lawsuit. And, and you know what, that's good because I have always been a firm believer of bringing women up in our, um, in our business, you know, and I even tried doing that when we had shop, you know, I put an ad out for, we wanted to just hire a female butcher because we wanted to know like, why aren't there any females doing butchery and, um, you know we ended up getting in trouble for that of course and had to take it down but at one point in our in our um our butcher shop we had nothing but women working back there that was pretty cool you know and and i've always been a firm believer of of bringing that up and i think in the kitchens you know back in the day there was a lot of um uh, sexual stuff going on and misogyny and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I see a lot of that being at bay now, which is nice. It's nice. No, no woman should have to go through that. You know, if anything that happened, the me too movement, I'm kind of for, um, not not for everybody not everybody deserved to get cancelled but um uh you know it brought it shed light on on a lot of things on our industry in general and um, especially with uh, um what's his name uh batali um uh yeah it just I don't know things change and for for good for good
0: yeah Well, speaking of that, and it's not necessarily related, but you're talking about a generational shift. And now we've got post-COVID, you've got labor shortages. Yeah, I don't know if it's really an Arkansas
3: thing or if my wife and I are trying to figure that out or if it's just a nationwide thing. Um, We have people that, you know, you'll, you'll put an ad out that will say, yeah, I'll be there for an interview. They don't even show up for the interview. You know, I mean, you could have like five of those people in a day. Just not show up. Or, you know, uh, I think one thing that happened after COVID is the fact that people are still thinking that they're getting COVID. So it's like every every time there's a sniffle, somebody's got to call out sick to work. And I just, I don't understand it. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess you can't be too safe, but I, we don't have to live in a Purell society. I mean, for God's sakes, we're cooks you know i i worked through the epidemic and so did everybody else that worked at trader joe's that worked at walmart that that pumped gas in oregon you know everybody people went out there and worked you know it wasn't it was the people that worked in offices that didn't have to go that you know
0: but that's not, that's not the same thing as not showing up for it's interviews. I think your just carried on. Um, I mean, it's, it's related. It's related, but that's, just, someone doesn't yeah, show up for an interview. That's just, I don't either. I don't it's know like, what that is. I, I, you know, and, and I, we're in a society where people don't respond to things anymore, and that's okay. Just to not respond. Uh, I don't mean to be, I just got accused by a listener of being the guy in the yard uh, saying, get off my yard. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that, but we are. But aren't we in a, I mean, that's the same thing as not showing up for yeah. an interview, not returning a phone call or when, you know, when that's something that someone always did. They may have said, no, I can't do it, but don't do it anymore. So I don't know what it's all about. And I'm like another, I'm almost another mm-hmm. generation removed from you. So this is two generations beyond me. So, you know, my—I I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but my last time I was in a kitchen, I was smoking a joint in the chef's VW van, listening to Nixon. Oh, wow, man! That's, how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's heavy. So. That was, I think I was 15 15 or 16 at the time, right? So, no, 1974, I was 16. So, uh, but that was a long time ago. And boy, you talk about generational shifts. The waitresses, Mm -hmm. which we could say back then, the servers were all in these orange, um, mini skirts with, with white, Patent leather boots, and that's what they were. And this, yeah, was you in want the to make tips, restaurant, you know? And, and that, thing. hey, sex sells. I yeah. don't know what to say, you know. I
3: mean, um, yeah. And what is up with the whole waitress server thing? I think that being called a server is a heck of a lot worse than being called a waitress. You know, I mean, a waitress is a waitress I, is dignified. <laughs> you know, I my wife has worked front of the house her entire life. That's what we do. That's what she does. Um, we work in in the industry of making people happy there's nothing wrong with that that's our passion to this day that's what i want to do and to this day that's what my wife wants to do that's what our job is to make people happy and to have wonderful experiences you know and we still carry that through it's not about ego it's not about doing anything else at the end of the day it's about the customer you know
0: yeah, but what? So I think I don't know, and I don't necessarily want to go here. But there's a difference between waiter and waitress because you're genderizing someone, right? So wouldn't it be wait person is okay? I don't know. But serve, I don't know. I don't can know. I'm forty-seven. I'm anymore? pretty sure I can I don't know.
3: say whatever I want. I don't think I can get canceled. <laughs> I dare you. You know what are you going to what are you going to take away from me? You know, it's no, like no. I, nothing.
0: Um. So yeah. well good so listen what else have we not covered i think we've covered everything that we talked we mentioned that we were going to talk about um is there anything you want to talk about that is there anything you really miss i miss i missed dim sum
3: Uh, for sure out at hk uh i'm and wonks king um uh, no no it was it closed when i was there too um uh you know, I what I what I really miss was back in the day we used to have Razor's Montabar and that was a fantastic place. You know, when I used to work at Outwaters, my wife and I would meet each other. She worked there too. We would meet each other before we'd take the um the uh train back to Beaverton and uh we would have we would sit there and I would have <laughs> bourbon um, Eggs Benedict and Lobster Bisque at like 12 o'clock at night and we listened to jazz and I was like, th- that to me was that was Portland back in the day. You know what I mean? It was just there was something a little bit classy about it. There was also something a little bit cringy about it as well, but it was it had it had some class it had some charm to it, you know and I don't know if it has that anymore. I I kind of missed those days, you know, but
0: <clears throat> I think I caught a little of him having having arrived here in 2005. But, but uh But you know, yeah, we, I don't, I don't we went through a really good
3: you, so. time as far as as when I was there, um I'm blessed to be in that environment during that time because um, Portland was it, man. Portland was like the food town and people were flying in from everywhere, you know, to experience all these, you know, great things of like Naomi, you know, with beast and, and Gabe and, um, Vitaly and, you know, I keep on going on and on. Um, it, it, was a wonderful time to be there and it was a special time during, during, uh, kind of, a a cornerstone of peace as well you know it it was nice there it wasn't no it wasn't harsh it was nothing was in your face we were just doing what we were doing which was cooking the best we possibly could with the best ingredients that you can possibly find you know that's portland yeah. And
0: it was and it was about no. that. It wasn't there was no competition. There nope. was it wasn't a capitalism thing where everybody was no, trying nobody, to No, everybody their Mercedes. Everybody knew it they were going to make money, man. Thing, we were man. Just-
3: doing it just to do it. You know, it's um you know, when Jason French like opens up a place called Ned Lug and all he does is cook by fire, you know, like he knows that he's not gonna make a gajillion dollars off of that. Um but he's gonna have a nice he's gonna have a nice life and he's gonna be proud about what he does, you know? And and now he's a mentor to other men. You know, um I I don't know. It was just such a great time of being there. Uh, that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. But, you know, every place that I've ever lived at, I, you know, I always cherish something, you know, and, and bring that with me as well, you know.
0: Well, I'm glad you bring those memories with you. I have, I still, you know, I have a fondness for Portland. I think right now we're waiting for it to hopefully turn the corner. But, man, I, I feel the same way. I don't go back as far as you do, but. I got to experience this period mm-hmm. like around 2010 to 2000, 2008 to 2015, and I remember being at a charity event at Beast, and in that kitchen on the same night, and I, I'll probably miss some people here, but Greg and Gabby Denton, Vitaly Paley, Patrick McKee, um, just a uh group uh gabriel was there group of wonderful people at mm-hmm. that place in that time to be able to enjoy that and have them be in the kitchen at the same time i just thought was incredible and i know you know i mean beast beast doesn't exist that's my biggest regret in portland that
3: i'd never i'd never took the time to go eat a beast. I wanted to eat there so bad. You know, I, I'd, I'd eaten at expatriate and drank in there a couple of times, but I'd never had the the pleasure of eating at beast. You know, I, when I was there, I just, I had, uh, you know, um, I, I admired Naomi very much, um, for what she has gone through and what she had made for herself. You know, she walked into an old boys club, uh, without, you know, a culinary degree or any of that. She just went off of just straight up talent and gumption, you know, and I, my hat goes off to women like that. I love strong women like that. My business partner, you know, Paula was that way, you know, just strong, uh, very uh, well driven. Um, and unfortunately I didn't get a chance to eat there. It's, uh, I wish I would have. I really wish I would have. That's my biggest regret. Did yeah, I did back Gotham in the day. Fathom? I totally forgot about that. Oh, that was See,
0: That's what that I was Tommy.
3: What I that was Gabe. That in. was Naomi. That was Michael Heberoy, I think, back in the day, uh, her ex-husband. Um yeah, man. I remember the first time my wife and I went in there and we got one of those hives. You know, we sat in there, and we were like, what the hell is going on here? You know? They were doing some uh crazy stuff during that time, you know. That was such a like Yeah, I totally forgot about that.
0: Yeah, no, I I've just read about it, and I've and it's the only thing, you know, you read about Zephyro and all that, but and Genoa and its day, but I, that's the only thing I wish I could go back and have experienced as of, in addition yeah, to what yeah. was her her supper club right which started at all, we yeah. started that and, Naomi Pomeroy's supper club, and the only started, other um, thing that I regret yeah, I was I, have I didn't about, have
3: the so. opportunity to say goodbye to Kevin Gibson as well, uh, that I I just didn't. I didn't take the time I don't think I was too proud about myself at that time, but I really wanted to he's he's my mentor um, as far as food goes. I love the guy i you know I just cherish him. I think he's wonderful
0: so he for the for the uninitiated yeah. he's at uh, he's at Davenport now, and before Cistania. that it was oh uh, no he was, uh, at what was the name of the little sandwich. Yeah before it, Oh yeah right yeah. He was, was a costume sandwich place That's over right yeah Hawthorne. yeah uh, um, right right yeah i don't remember the name of it but it was it was just the most wonderful yeah. coolest spot i mean it goes to all those things that you'd have the opportunity when you were sitting there you would think wow this is fucking cool this is not something i experienced in connecticut that's for sure so all right well maybe we can prompt him to at least listen to this and uh well you know know um, goodbye i'm sure there he was the
3: first person that really made me look at ingredients and um i think really kind of grow up and take food seriously you know, and also I was working next with uh, Elias as well, who is also a very, very talented, you know, um, chef in his own right. And um,
0: I was just so let's we have to make sure that mm-hmm. it's not a, just a conversation between the two of mm-hmm. us so elias cairo of mm-hmm. olympia provisions formerly olympic provisions so yeah i was your never competitor, a competitor, but competitor but of his. Pals.
3: believe me they're on a total they're on a totally different we were small in boutique
0: right but I mean, oh, yeah, know, I mean you're selling the same thing uh, you i mean you're selling the same thing yeah <laughs>
3: I don't know why I did it. I still to this day don't know why I did it. Why I opened it up. Um I'm glad I did though. You know, you gotta. That's one thing that I. I don't think that I've ever been is afraid to um, make mistakes, and I've made plenty of them. And I learn from every single one of them. I still. I'm, I'm learning today about bad things that I did in the past. You know, they weren't horrible, but you know, just some stuff I'm not proud of. It's fine. You move on. I'm,
2: well, the problem is right. I'm 47
3: you, you know, and I still have the mindset of, of a 24-year-old and that's not too healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you can't no, keep I know. making 47 sounds like you're older. It's not. No. I you, thought it would be. It's. It's not at all. So, it was... Listen, almost everything that lately I've been saying, my God, that was just like yesterday, was when I was 47. Because that's when I moved out. I mentioned, you know, 2005. That's when I moved out here, uh, just about. So, 46 or 47. And Mm -hmm. then all went by like a blur. That's kind of when I met you. And that was... That's gone by pretty quickly. Listen, I hope you don't no. consider it a mistake to have come on this podcast to do it. I don't at I'm all. So I'm so far away from everybody,
3: I'm untouchable. So <laughs> I
0: think... It, uh, <laughs> no, I, and I don't mean for that. Oh, just, yeah, I mean, absolutely. As far as spending your time, worthwhile expenditure of your time. So uh, I really appreciate it. I'm happy we got to do this again because... Uh, it's great spending an hour with you. I hope, do you think uh, you'll yeah, ever come back do, and visit? if I do,
3: it would be to see Paula, um, uh, my ex-business partner, um, and maybe John. But otherwise, I don't know. I, I'm i kind of cool with the West Coast for right now. I spent, you know, a majority of my life there. I've just kind of, I want to see, man, I want to see the Caribbean. You know, I've never been there. You know, I, that's... Yeah, I want to go east. Well, that's you know, the other and, direction. Um, you know, the, my parents are moving mm-hmm. to back to South Carolina, so you know it'll be kind of nice. Like we'll have something over on the on the East Coast that'll be nice during hurricane season. <laughs> and tornadoes.
0: Yeah, and you know it's nice to get out there in the winter. It's nice to get there in the winter. Although they, I, my parents were in Savannah, and we. Could not get down there. We were in the air on our way to Savannah when it started <laughs> snowing, and it was days before anything happened there. So, um, anyway, there's a lot, and there's a lot of places. Yeah, man, I went to East Europe when Europe, I was uh,
3: twenty or nineteen. No, twenty. I went by myself. Yeah, I saved my. Oh, I saved up okay. some oh, cool. money. My parents gave me some money, um, and I went over to Europe by myself. And uh, for uh, God, I don't know, three months, something like that. Uh, well, I hit, I try to hit Where's almost hit? every single thing, Where's but during hit? that time, the Bosnia, um, Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, the, the war was going on, you know, and so that kind of cut off a lot of stuff. As furthest east as I got was the Czech Republic of Prague, but I went to all over Spain, all over France, all over Italy, um, I didn't go to the United Kingdom, um, you know, Switzerland, uh, up into Denmark and Holland and, and all of that. Um, yeah, I loved it. It was cool. It was a really cool experience, you know. Um, and I, yeah, it's something I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And I don't even know if you can do that even more. You know, I mean, that was pre-Euro. So,
0: uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. I've done all those places you've mentioned, except for Prague, I've been, and that's in the last seven years. So you can do it, <laughs> but I haven't done it in one three months. That's what you do when that you're young. Yeah. <laughs> but that would be cool, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's harder to do. My dog wouldn't be very happy if I did that. So, uh, thank you. Hey, Chris. Eric, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time, man. This is this is this has been really fun, and uh, yeah, I hope we get the opportunity to do it again sometime because I think you're a fun conversation. Well, man. thank you. I appreciate uh, among that, other Chris. great things. So, thank you. All right, and uh, on behalf of Eric, goodbye Portland. Goodbye to everybody goodbye. he never got to say goodbye to <laughs> when he left.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
2: Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX, or on Facebook at Right at the Fork, or online at RightAtthefork.com.